There's a theater in Blythe, Ontario, north of London, is staging a show next month, and it's getting a little bit of uh, criticism by some people that say maybe too soon. It's interesting. It's called In the Wake of Wetlawfer, and it is about serial killer Elizabeth Wetlawfer, or at least that's what you would presume based on the title. Maybe not. So we're here joined by Gil Garrett, who is the artistic director of the Blythe Festival and co-writer of In the Wake of Wet Lawfer, to find out the skinny, the lowdown on what exactly this play is all about. It's a pleasure to have you on, Gil. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak. Okay, so tell us um, what exactly is In the Wake of Wet Lawfer about? So firstly, I would just say, uh, importantly, this is not, um, we've not attempted to uh, glorify or sensationalize Elizabeth Wetlawfer uh, in any way. We have, um, she does not appear as a character in the play. Um, the show is not uh, dramatizing or reenacting uh, any of her heinous crimes. Uh, really, what we wanted to look at was the consequences, the, the unbelievable impact that um, these revelations and consequently the extraordinary public inquiry led by the phenomenal Justice Galise, um, and what those, uh, what the impacts of that are for all of us as a community and for us as a province when we really take a look at long-term care. So the play itself follows a fictional family. Um, they are in the midst of dealing with an aging father. They receive a, uh, a diagnosis of dementia, and they need to make decisions about his care. And they put their father ultimately uh, into a care home, and they have to deal with all of the the fallout from that, what it brings out between the siblings and some of the you know simmering rivalries from their childhood and all, all these kinds of challenges. They get their father in the home. He's there. He passes away. And then two years go by, and the family then learn that um, of the crimes of Elizabeth Wetlawfer. The story breaks, and they then realize that their father was in a facility where this woman was working. And that was and something then, that actually is based on, on real-life stories, right? Like, people actually found this out. So what are the victims saying? Have you spoken to any of them? Yeah, so we actually have been working closely with um, uh, a number of victims um, uh, from uh, several of the different families, uh, and they have been unbelievable. I truly cannot say enough. Um, they've been so inspiring and generous, and um, there certainly were reservations um, early on when we began to have some of these conversations. You know, there was certainly fear that this would be somehow um, exploitative. Mm-hmm. And what we've really tried to do is is um, uh, address that as head on as we can. And and honestly, what's been so inspiring is these folks um, uh, consistently have asked us how we can contribute to the conversation in a way that not only amplifies the need for us to radically overhaul our long-term care system, but also how can we have an audience walk out at the end of the show with a sense of hope. That's been really paramount and something we've heard over and over again, because the fear is that there is so much despair, there's so much um, uh, anger, and how can we possibly change the world if that's where we're going to be operating from? We need to find a way to believe, again, that, that love can triumph over trauma and that we can make substantive change. So in the wake of Wetlawfer, it's not even on, it hasn't started playing yet, you know, next month, it will make its debut. Do you feel like you accomplished that in your script and through, you know, the rehearsals that are going on right now at the Blythe uh, Festival? 
We're continuing to work on it. I mean, uh, right now we, we have a really beautiful play that's coming to the fore and we've got an incredible company of artists. And amazingly, the artists themselves are all dealing with a lot of this personally right now, too. There's several members of our company who have parents who are in long-term care, who are dealing with um, dementia diagnoses themselves um, and grappling with some of that. But we also, um, we've continued to keep the door open uh, to talk to those who are affected, who want to continue to contribute, want to continue to reflect back to us their experience so that we can keep growing this project. And we're very much looking forward to July 31st when Justice Galise is going to release her recommendations. Uh, one of the great things about the show, we will be opening um, uh, August 9th. So July 31st is really great for us to be able to, to take the recommendations of the justice um, and really try to amplify them with the work that we're doing. Do you think there'll be any rewrites at the last minute? Oh, there constantly are. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. We really specialize in new play development. That's what we do at Blythe, and to keep the work relevant, we're constantly rewriting. So things are changing on a daily basis. Why is this story about um, you know putting your parents into long-term care and the problems with long-term care and the uh, strain that it puts on uh, relationships, very close relationships? Why is theater uh, an appropriate vehicle? to have this discussion in? Because I think theater is a place where we can safely sit in a room um, and be anonymous and be um, uh, there to sit in the dark and we can look up at the possibility. We can imagine ourselves in the places of those, um, uh, the family that we're watching and we can empathize and we can look at their different perspectives and we can see how they choose to deal with what they're doing. And in that way, it, it allows us as an audience to think about um, our own place and how we would how we would feel in that situation without having to necessarily, you know, sit down with our own siblings um, and, and try to solve some of these issues. It gives us an opportunity to, to really consider from a, a bit of distance. And it also allows us through art making to be able to consider some of the, the really consequential findings that came out of this inquiry, which are, I mean, some of them are staggering. I mean, not, not only did Elizabeth Wetlawford commit these heinous crimes, which is just um, uh, diabolical on so many levels. She's a serial killer. She's a serial killer. Mm -hmm. and, but what we've also learned as a result of this are things um, that we, it's not as though Ontario was poised to have a robust conversation about the state of long-term care. And had she not committed these crimes and then walked herself into a police station, confessed, I don't know that we were going to have this conversation. So to be able to point out things like, for instance, and I won't name the facility, but one of the facilities where she was working while she was committing these terrible crimes, she was the only night nurse on the floor for 163 patients. She had a couple of PSWs who were under her care, but she had... 163 patients to tend to. I mean, when we start to consider some of what we've allowed this system to become, and then in the midst of it, we know that, you know, just this past year, there were 50 nurses let go in Chatham. There were 50 nurses let go from Grand River Hospital in Kitchener. There were another, I mean, there were, there were nurses literally protesting in the streets in Sudbury. And we are continuing to erode a system that already is in a desperate place. Gil, and I want to I want to ask you this only because I'm running out of time because it's an interesting conversation we're having. What do you say yeah. to people that say that it's too soon to to create art out of this? That's a really valuable question. Um, 
there's a couple of things I would say. One is um, uh, from some of the families we've been talking to, what their response has been is, um, is it too soon to have this conversation? Ultimately, the real question is, isn't it too late for us to be making this kind of, of change, that this, these changes are coming too late to our system? And the other thing I would say is I really hope that this show will allow us as a community to begin a robust conversation. One, one of the most incredible encounters I've had um, throughout this project has been with a woman who was deeply, deeply affected um, uh, personally um, by the crimes of Wetlawfer and, and her family are continuing to, to, to deal with this the fallout. And in talking to her, one thing I learned was that um, she has found that uh, uh, dear friends, uh, neighbors, uh, people who um, have gone to church with her for decades have stopped knocking on her door and have stopped calling her and stopped talking to her. Cause because they don't they know what so to say. Yeah. And they don't know what to say. Gil, I, I uh, wish I had more time. I actually am out of time, but I want to thank you for your time. And this, uh, the in the wake of Wet Lawfer at the Blythe Festival starts when? It starts on August 7th, their first preview. We open August 9th, and it runs till September 6th. I want to thank you for being on the program today. Thank you, Kelly. I really appreciate the time.